This is the day that the Lord has made. We get to honor Jesus today, together. And uh, we're going to, you can pray for me if I can actually do a shorter sermon. That's my, that's my plan, okay? So that we can have that freedom to have worship uh, again. And uh, starting off with communion, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we're in Matthew 21. And I was reading this chapter and realizing, as I did, uh, it took me several times, that there's reasons there's, that are eternal reasons patterned here of why we praise His name, why we praise Jesus and honor Jesus. And so I'm really going to let the passage speak for itself today. Let the Word of God just speak to us and, uh, and, and, and touch our hearts and lives and then actually do the honoring of Jesus uh, before we uh, uh, depart today. Because we are created for a reason. And if the Creator God said, I'm going to create John Conti, I'm going to create Carol Tross, uh, Tracy, I'm going to create... A Joe Inman, what is his purpose in life? What is my Stephen Riley's purpose in life? That all that I do ends up worshiping him. That every day of my life, every year of my life, and then there's this unusual time that we get together, and as God's word says, uh, do not. Um, uh, forsake the assembly of the brethren, the gathering of believers. Uh, because this is a, a special anointing, a special grace on when we have a corporate gathering. There's a reason He wants us to meet. Uh, Jesus spoke to the uh, hundreds and thousands so that having a mass crowd, a big group, is part of the model of the ministry of Jesus. And then there's worship and prayer in smaller arenas like Jesus and the 12 disciples. And then he even went smaller with, you know, going deeper in discipleship and prayer with the three, Peter, James, and John. And then, of course, Jesus went off alone. So all those little settings have a different purpose, a different grace, a different anointing. And we want to participate in all of that. And that's why even this morning, as we've already done, we're going to do again, our corporate worship and praise has a specific purpose. We don't want to miss that opportunity this morning. So we're in Matthew 21, and this is a key marking spot in the Gospels. Because all this time, for three years, Jesus has been ministering all over the land of Israel. He's been to Jerusalem uh, this is now going to be his third time where in the Passover, that springtime, where there's you know, thousands of people coming to, uh, to, to have Passover in Jerusalem. And so this is his last time to go to Jerusalem before he is crucified. And we are going to be seeing here in a moment just some unusual eruptions of praise over Jesus. Um, he is... Uh, in the beginning of Matthew 21, uh, he's approaching uh, Jerusalem. And as Tom said, Jerusalem is up on a hill. 
and it says that he and the disciples are by the Mount Olivet, the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus prayed uh, in his last night and, and with his disciples alone, and he was betrayed there. If you go uh, with us to Israel in April, you get to go to the Mount of Olives and get to be in this spot right there where you can, it's a hillside, and then where there's old, old olive trees that are there, and you look down a valley, and it comes back up to the walls, uh, the ancient walls of Jerusalem right there in the eastern gate. And so you can be there, you can see it for yourself. So come on, uh, not too late to sign up. And so this is where Jesus is, and he gives instructions um, about uh, to his couple of disciples is go find this donkey, and um, you'll find it here and give him instructions and grab it because I'm going to need it. And, you know, it's going to look like that they're stealing this guy's donkey. So just tell them, you know, the Lord has need of it. So God had already would have, would have prepared this uh, uh, engagement there in getting this donkey for Jesus. So we're going to start reading at verse 4 of Matthew 21. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask that the word of God speak to our hearts and bears fruit in our lives. Amen. Verse 4, All this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. So there is some significance of what's going on here with uh, Jesus and a donkey. Because in their ancient times, uh, it's important what you ride on it signals some things and when a leader or a general of an army or a king when he comes in on a donkey it means something it means he comes in peace and that was his message and that was his his position that day he comes in peace but folks we know of a time written in scripture that we are looking forward to, well, Jesus will go back to Israel, but not riding on a donkey, riding on a white horse. And if he had chose to, hey guys, go get me a horse, uh, you know, that would have meant something else, that I'm coming as a victorious king, a victorious warrior, ready for battle, I'm coming in on a, on a horse. No, he said, I'm coming in on a donkey. But the next time, folks, when he does come on a white horse, it's out of the book of Revelation, and I just want to read this description to you. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. This is the one that we get to honor today. And it says in uh, chapter 19, verse 11, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he, he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. Amen. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which is one, which one no one knows except himself. He is clothed with the right robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So, 
When Jesus came in that day on a donkey, He was saying, I'm king, but I'm, I'm the prince of peace. I'm the king of peace. You and I, when we get to praise Him, we know He's more than that. Now, many of them were saying, oh, He's, he's our next king. He, can, uh, he has powers to do miracles. He's gaining a great crowd. He's going to become our next king, our Messiah, and we're going to overcome the Roman Empire. Many of them are going there in their mind. And He's saying, I'm the prince of peace. So the first reason that we get today, they were praising Him for Him coming in as this Prince of Peace, but we get to praise Him, folks, for He is the King, the King of Kings. Let's go on in Matthew 21, verse 7. And brought the donkey and colt and laid their coats on them and sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of Him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! To the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred. Who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And so this phrase, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's from Psalms 118, that's from other places in Psalms and the Scriptures saying, hey, we praise, we're expectant of our Messiah, and He is, Hosanna is the one who saves. So they're going, hey, He's the one who saves. And they're praising Him. And, and so the, the religious rulers called uh, the Pharisees, they were getting nervous. They are the leaders of the community. They have control through their rules and regulations, their condemnation and guilt they put on people. They have control. They're getting nervous because they're losing control. The Romans are always watching crowds. They're always watching. Is there going to be a riot breakout anytime? They're always you know, investigating and looking for some uh, rebellious um, leaders. So they're all getting nervous. I looked at the other Gospels because all the other Gospels do talk about this triumphal entry. And this is that, that first eruption of praise with Jesus on a donkey and they're putting down cloaks down and branches down as if honoring Him as royalty like we might see in the movies or, or let's say the, the Queen of England or the King of England has this, this red robe to walk down, uh, a, 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 a you know, runner to walk down. That's the same type of mentality there. We're going to honor you coming in as, as, a, uh, as a ruler. We honor you with this. And what I found was, in the other Gospels, there was, uh, they're praising Him for what Jesus has done in the past. In Luke chapter 19, verse 37, talking about this moment, it says, as soon as He was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd in the disciple, of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with the loud voice, for all the miracles which they had seen. So these people had, they're, they're from all over the country because uh, it's feast time, it's Passover time, and so the, many of them are from Galilee and seen miracles there, and, and uh, the, the, the multiplication of the bread and fish and feeding the 5,000. And, and so he had this reputation of things he had done in the past. And there was this eruption, this loud voice. This eruption got, you know, so... Uh, intense that the uh, it says in the gospel of john it says that 
that the, the religious rulers were upset to look, you've, you've done terrible. You haven't even uh, stopped his influence at all. The whole world is following after him. And they were so nervous, afraid, and soon after is when they end up making a deal with Judas to betray him with 30 pieces of silver. So here's another reason. Uh, We get to praise him because he's king, but we all get to praise him for what he's done in the past. And folks, we we need to do that. Sometimes it's by flipping back in your journals that you write praise reports in and answer prayers. If you don't do that, you need to rack your brain and say, you know, God, thank you for, and then you go back and you praise Him for things He's done in the past. This is something that God wants us to do. Much of the the book of Psalms uh, are songs written about the good, amazing things God did in the past. God deliver us from slavery. God deliver us uh, out of uh, uh, out of when the, the army of Pharaoh's army was chasing us and God delivered us and just repeats over and over again the stories of the past in song, in worship. So I'm encouraging today, oh yeah, I need to do that. I need to look to the past. I need to do that more often. Let's keep looking in these scriptures here for other reasons to praise Him. Starting uh, at verse 12. It says that Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. I want to stop there for a moment because Jesus had already done this once before when he was in Jerusalem. And what he found, and in that day, it could have been a good service to people who were traveling for days to get there that they could buy the sufficient offering that to give but unfortunately they were uh uh they were they were hiking up the prices for the different animals that they could sacrifice and purchase and they were they were entrapping them that now you've traveled all this way you've got to do it you've got to pay this high price and then the changing the money because they were from galilee now they're in jerusalem so you have to exchange money like you do when you go to a foreign land you have to exchange american dollars for their dollars and the exchangers were hiking the money uh the rate rate up to benefit them and so it was just a a place of stealing from sincere people coming to worship God. It's kind of like, even though we don't, hopefully, uh, aren't worshiping the fair, you go to the fair and you're in there and you got to get some of that good food and they just hack, uh, you know, jack up the prices this much, that high, you go to the movie theater, you got to get popcorn, you know how much popcorn costs. Come on, you know, you can, you can do it a lot cheaper at home. They just got you, they've entrapped you and they, they build up that, that uh, cost, you know, 10 times higher than it needs to be. And, uh, and, and we buy it. We go and buy it, don't we? Because we're hungry and we want it. And this grieved the heart of God. That in a place of worship, they were there to serve and help them worship, not be, take the, now turn this whole place in of, of stealing from these very sincere worshipers. And so he goes in there and he just disrupts the whole place. He just turns all these tables over and, and chases the animals out that they're just spending all this extra uh, money on. And he just, and you know, what, do you arrest this man? The crowds love him. It's just a total disruption of the powers at be trying to 
undermine people and steal their money. And Jesus makes this declaration. He says, and he said to them, it is written, this is verse 13, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So here's a reason to praise the Lord. We praise Him for cleansing our temples. This is a big deal in the eyes of God. This is uh, a, 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 a must journey that we have, that we don't stay the same, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. He calls us a building, a temple. And we have the options of, of uh, we have the option of how to build this temple, how to keep it clean. I want to go there here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and stay here for a little while. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting at verse 16, says, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual immoral person sins against his own body. And so this passage is talking about, hey, this, this body, it's part of the work of God in your life. It's not just some spiritual thing here or some mental thing. It's part of your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, verse 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with the price. So glorify God in your body. God wants to get unholiness, impurities out of our body. Otherwise, it's going to rob us of being a house of prayer. It's going to steal uh, that heart for God, that devotion to the Lord. Don't you get frustrated when it's uh, dinner time and you go, I haven't thought about God all day. I haven't prayed all day. I have set my mind on other things, temporal things, things that are busy, things of anxiety, and now it's dinner time, it's, it's later, and I didn't think about Him all day. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want my mind to be spiritually minded, not carly minded, not selfishly minded. I want to trust You in the needs of the day and turn these needs into prayers. I want to turn over uh, anxieties because you said you care for, cast all our cares upon you because you care for us. We want to be a pure house of prayer. We don't want the uh, sins around our life to, uh, to rob us of being a house of prayer. I want to talk a minute um, because there's more in Matthew 21 about why to praise Him, and we're going to look at those here. But I want to talk a minute about um, expressions of prayer and expressions of praise and worship. Our temple is the body of the Holy Spirit. And I can remember uh, that I was in I, I, I was a high school student, I was a senior in high school, and I uh, ended up dedicating at a student ministry conference uh, a, my heart to Christ and my life. I had grown up in the church, it was actually a Presbyterian church, and I knew a lot about God and had the head knowledge, 
And I realized there's a big difference in just having head knowledge than having him as Lord of your life. And so it was my second semester senior year. I dedicated my heart and my life. I, I didn't want to just have an emotional experience at that, that service and stand up. And, and, and you know, I, no, I wanted to really dedicate my heart and my life to Christ. It was a few weeks later, and I was with my mom at a different church. Uh, we went as a family to our formal Presbyterian church, but mom would go to the Spirit-filled church across town. And uh, that little spirit-filled church. And so this was a night service, and, and there was a woman black preacher that night. And she was preaching it up. And uh, she starts telling a story of a man she knew that was in the hospital. That he had a bad accident. And he had broken bones all over his body and his arms. And his heart longed to worship God with his body. But with his broken bones, he couldn't use his arms and hands. And he, though he was a temple of the Holy Spirit, and though his, he was created by God to worship his God, and that, but he couldn't use his arms to praise him. And she started talking about, yes, God created you, spirit, soul, and body. And your body is bought with the price that belongs to to Jesus, He bought you and purchased you with His blood. And, and I'm going, oh man, it, you know, this thing, it's not just a spiritual thing. It's just not a mental emotion. It's my whole body belongs to God. It is created to worship Him. And so when she ended that message, they went back to worship. And man, every hand in that sanctuary, I know mine, I was like, boom! My arms were create, created to worship my God. And I chose to say, I'm going to use the members of my body as part of worship. I go into that because scriptures have a number of expressions and physical expressions of worship. You know the Bible, though, that all worship begins in the heart, right? That we must worship God in spirit and in truth. That's with honesty and authenticity from the inside out. So don't feel pressured by me to, uh, oh, I've got to raise hands now in order to make Pastor Stephen happy. No, listen, this is between you and God. It's not that you have to, you know, raise your hands or do something physical. It's that you get to. And that it comes as a choice that you make before God. Um, I know that sometimes I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very focused on the Lord and my body's not doing anything. I might be sitting, I might be standing uh, there's many expressions in, in uh, God's Word, kneeling down, even laying prostrate. If you haven't done that before, I encourage you to try that. But let's just go to a, a New Testament Scripture, for example. 1 Timothy 2.8 Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension, without anger and division, without that there's a purity, it's that... It's that house of God, that temple being cleansed, that when we pray that there's not anger, there's not revenge, there's not the spirit of divisions and, and, and strife. And this is a posture of prayer, and you see that. Uh, it's, that came from the Old Testament practice, and it's encouraged here in the New Testament, that even in prayer, and you'll see that at the Wayland Wall. You can be there and go with me in April. And, uh, and you can see that they're kneeling, and their hands are open. They're using their body as part of their prayers. 
as I, as I said, a family went to a formal Presbyterian church growing up. My mom was spirit-filled and would go uh, to where she could get that uh, teaching uh, there and, and it'd be free to express herself in worship. And I got, uh, the Lord used that uh, to lead me into the fullness of the Spirit. I'm so grateful, Mom, for, for your obedience to the Lord. My dad's journey, um, he stayed with the Presbyterian Church. He did missions to Africa. He led the missions uh, team and, and the uh, missions department there at the church for many years. And it, it was, uh, he was uh, there. I got water baptized. I got infant sprinkled there. So, I mean, I know how long, you know, my family was there uh, for uh, over 50 years. And he, uh, this was Presbyterian Church Denomination USA headquarters in Louisville, which is a very liberal uh, headquarters. The local churches could decide on their own if they would do same-sex marriage weddings in their local church. And they hadn't done that at this particular Presbyterian church. They had a big meeting with a new pastor who wanted to do uh, 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 same-sex marriage ceremonies there at the church they had a big leadership meeting and everybody had been to meeting and had a big you know big night meeting thing my dad was the only one who spoke up from the congregation and said this is not biblical this is not righteous we want to have compassion but this is not biblical this is not right and it was passed overwhelmingly so after being there over 50 years he he changed churches ended up being the last year of his life. And he went to another Presbyterian church. He was in a different denomination, evangelical, believed the Bible's the word of God, and went through their membership process and so forth. And they end up even doing uh, uh, his funeral and so forth. And so we were there. I was there a couple weeks when when he passed away. And so I went to this other Presbyterian church on Sunday. And... It was remarkable for me. It was formal. It had, the choir was amazing. The organ music was amazing. When you're a child or a teenager, it's very boring. It's torturous. The only thing more boring is an Amish church service, and we did one of those in Pennsylvania. I have to tell you one time. So, but it was beautiful, and the, and the pastor's got his black robe. He goes up into the pulpit, up to the steps, so his pulpit's way up here at the top. And, uh, you know, but he's, he's teaching out of the Word of God. And at the end, he quotes the Scripture and then starts doing a closing prayer. Therefore, 1 Timothy 2.8, I want, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And then he goes into his closing prayer. And virtually most of the men, I'm going to say 75% or so, they raise their hands in this closing prayer. You know, not, not, not the little this or the little this. I mean, they're like this. I'm going, I'm in a denominational Presbyterian church. These men chose in prayer, I'm going to raise my hands to the Lord. They choose to raise their hands. I was so touched by that. There was obedience to Scripture. In the Old Testament, the priests would raise their hands as they prayed over people. Uh, there's other Scriptures and expressions of worship in other, other ways uh, like Psalm 63, 4 says, So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands to you. There's dancing. Psalm 30, verse 11. If you turn my waiting, you, you've turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. 
that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Psalm 47.1, it says that, Oh, clap your hands, all your people. Shout to God with the voice of joy. These are expressions from the heart that we choose to clap or to dance of that are bubbling out of us. Or maybe it goes kind of like this. You'll find this to be true. Sometimes you want to raise your hands or clap your hands or dance. Sometimes it just gets stirred because the, your eyes are getting lifted up to the Lord. You see Him more clearly. You get stirred and you get drawn to it. Sometimes it's uh, you feel like God wants you to do it. See, it is. There's a freedom, right? Because it's really worship from the heart. It really doesn't matter to me or anybody else whether you do any kind of physical expression right or not. But sometimes you'll sense that God will want you to bow a knee, that God will want you to raise your hand. God, that, and you just follow that. You want to, He is wanting you to use more of your being, not just your heart, but also this temple to praise Him. And sometimes it's out of a sacrifice. That things are not going well in your life. Things are maybe the worst day of your life. And you go, I still choose to honor my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you may raise your hands the highest you have all month, but on the worst day of the month, because it's a sacrifice of praise. There's no emotions or feelings that are drawing you into it. I think that we, we need to have fun and 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 be lighthearted on some of this stuff because, hey, we're living waters. We're that church. We're that church. And, and you know, and, and, and the word, you know, gets out and then it gets, it gets twisted and it gets, a, oh, you know, uh, yeah, they do snakes down there, don't they, at Living Waters? Let me tell you, we don't do snakes at Living Waters, okay? We haven't in the past. We have not done it in the past, okay? It's not like something we used to, no, uh-uh, we, we don't do snakes, Yeah, yeah, Mary said she wouldn't be here. So, now, we used to have chandeliers, and we designated every few months chandelier to have a swinging day. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we probably should have anchored those things. We never did. But anyway, we don't swing from the chandeliers either. But we do want to be sincere in our expressions of love to God. Right? And everybody has freedom whether you do something physical or not, that, you can, that that is part of what worship is. Let's go on a few more scriptures here. <clears throat> Verse 14 of Matthew 21. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. That is what religiosity does. That's what uh, wanting to preserve your power and stay in control and not trust God is you can't even see the wonderful things that are happening. You can't rejoice with them. Wonderful things were happening right then in the temple. And usually when it says they were healing the blind and the lame, that means they were way back in the temple sections, uh, way far away from the inside because they were defective people. And so Jesus is healing them and saying, hey, come on closer. You're healed now. Come on closer. You get closer to the presence of God. Come on in. He's, those people that long to get closer, but they were required to stay out. That's where they were. So we need to remember, we need to praise Him for what He's doing now. 
Let's not forget that. What is it? Let's thank Him now. Don't let the business and don't take things for granted. Give thanks to Him and praise to Him all day long. Here's another, Matthew 21, verse 16. And so these religious rulers said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? Don't you love children, childlike faith? That's that sincerity, right? They're genuine. They haven't learned how to fake it yet and impress anybody or hide things. Uh, you know, we... we we love being grandparents. And I'm going to throw, throw a little, little bomb on you right now. As I'm so excited, we have two grandkids in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, Judah and Eliana and three and a half, two and a half. They're going to have number three in February. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Woohoo! So I get to get in there. You know, your kids move out and they're all young adults and that's a great season, but you kind of forget about this childlike faith, this childlike sincerity. Well, what you see on their face, that's what you get. It's, it's genuine. It's all, and we're going to get number three. Unfortunately, they're 11 hours driving west. Well, my son Paul and his wife Haley live 11 hours east in Philadelphia. They're expecting their number one in March. I know, I'm clapping. So, hey, we'll be putting a lot of uh, wheels, you know, miles on those wheels come February, March. So, there is, there is a uniqueness, and in, in this, is, this is here for a reason. This was in the other Gospels, it was children and adults. There was another explosion of praise happening. You know, there was one when he was coming in, into Jerusalem on the donkey, and there's this other one here after these people got saved, and the children see it. Oh, the lame and the, lame and the blind, they've been healed? And they're rejoicing, they're excited, and they're, they're, they're shouting uh, again, at, uh, Hosanna to, to the king. They're celebrating. It's a childlike faith. And Jesus said in another place in, his, in, in the Gospels that we must be, be like them to enter the kingdom of heaven. This will help you in your praise and worship. Help us go, okay, Lord, it, just my sincerity and honesty, I'm just going to express myself just like my childlike faith. I just love you. I just love you as you are. And you, you take some of this, this restraint that we put off on ourselves as mature adults and say, I'm just going to be real with you right now. So we want to praise Him with childlike faith. I'm going to ask the praise team to go ahead and come up and I want to do a quick view, but I'm going to get ready for communion and you get your cups out as well. Preachers want the message to last beyond Sunday lunch. So I'm asking that perhaps in one of these areas you've been falling short in praising Him. Perhaps, number one, praise Him for who He is. He's the King. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Just praise Him for who He is. No matter what your day is like,
praise Him for who He is. We also want to praise Him for what He's done in the past. And it's okay to in, you know, write them down and just take some time and say, Lord, I thank you for this. I think, and just start writing and be, have a heart of thankfulness. You know, it says in Psalm 100 that enter the gates with thanksgiving. And then the courts, this is that temple, that place of prayer. Enter the gates with thanksgiving. Start with thanksgiving. And then it's courts with praise. So don't, don't take them for granted in the past. Remember the past and the many blessings. And next, praise him for cleansing our temples. And maybe that this is this week what you focus on. Lord, I, I, my mind is so uh, focused on other things and things that I uh, look online and TV or whatever. I forget about you. Lord, I need, a, I need to redirect my mind to be focused on you. Help me with that. I want you to cleanse my temple. I want to be pure. This is the, uh, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit. Next, praise Him for what He's doing now. Give thanks for Him often. Give Him praise. Be one of those who just thanks God and praise, praise Jesus all day long. When you just, yeah, well, I'm thankful because He is working even during my day in the little things. And then praise Him with childlike faith. Jesus... It's an honor to worship, to worship you. It's an honor to honor you. And perhaps the main reason to praise you is because of your work on the cross. You went to the point of death for me. You didn't hold back. Though the, the religious leaders and the devil and the demons had a plan. They worked that plan and they said, oh yes, we killed Jesus. We ended this, this rioting, this, this crowd. Oh, they were so wrong. They just played into the hands of the Father and of the plan of Jesus to lay down his life and give his life. It was not taken from me. They didn't trick him. They didn't come from behind and surprise him. Oh, they got him on the cross. No, this was all part of the Father's will. And Jesus said, I must finish the work that my Father gave me. And so, Jesus, we say thank you for going to the point of death for us, for me. How can we say thank you enough? If you don't know Jesus Christ in a relationship, you know about Him in your mind, in your head, you've heard about Him, you go to church every Sunday, you know, whatever it is, someone listening online now or later this week perhaps, whatever the reason is, is, it, is there a distance? Have you walked away from Him? Have you uh, focused your life and brought in idols and, and He's way down on the priority list? This is a day that you could give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask us all to just say a salvation prayer together. So if there's someone here or listening online, could do it with us right now before we take communion. Lord Jesus Christ, I want you in my life. I turn away from my sins and I turn to you. Come into my heart and live there. 
I believe that you died on the cross for me. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave to give me a victorious life. I'm yours, Lord. I belong to you now. Forever and ever. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is going over these words of the Last Supper. And he says, The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. If you need a communion cup, and uh, uh, we've got those available right now, you can get those. Um, we can help with that. If you're at home, you need to, you need to grab uh, something at home, go ahead and do that. We normally uh, encourage people during the worship time to take the... the uh, the cracker, and then the juice on your own time as you're sitting there praying. Perhaps a couple or, you know, would like to, a family would like to do it together and pray together as you take it. Lord, these elements, though simple, are really set apart today as this scripture says to remember you. How you sacrificed yourself for us in your body and in your blood. And you started a new covenant, a new relationship for us. And Lord, we thank you that that death was defeated by your resurrection. That we have what you have, and that's resurrection life, now and forever. I encourage you to go ahead and take the elements uh, when you like. I'm going to ask you to turn the lights down a little bit here as we go into a time of worship and praise. It was a moment when the lights went out When death had claimed its victory The king of love had given up his life The darkest day in history There on a cross they made for sinners For every curse his blood atoned One final breath and it was finished But not the end we could have known For the earth began to shake And the veil was torn But sacrifice was made 
God. Praise you, God. There are so many reasons to praise and worship our God. There's so many reasons. I'm going to give you a few more. Jesus Christ, you're our deliverer. Jesus Christ, you're faithful and true. You're our good shepherd. You're the great high priest for us. You're the I am. You are God with us, Emmanuel. You're the perfect judge. You're King of kings, Lord of lords. The Lamb of God, the light of the world. You're the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're strong, you're mighty. You're our Messiah, our mighty one. You set us free for... So if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. You're our hope and Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy. He is our hope, the Prince of Peace, our Redeemer. Jesus Christ is not in the grave. He is the risen Lord. He is the rock of our salvation. The resurrection and the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. You're the true vine. We want to be attached to you, abide in you. We want, we honor you as the victorious one in the earth and over our lives. You're the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, Lord. It goes on and on. The descriptions of you, the names of you. They, they, there's so many because hardly a language can contain the greatness of who you are. And so we take this time to continue just to worship you, to give you honor. It's a pleasure to honor you, Jesus.
love to honor you. It is our privilege, it's our honor to honor you. I sense over there during this song that you know there's cleansing going on right now in, in these in temples. And and I just want you to believe that. Don't don't listen to the lies of the enemy and condemnation. No. You're, you're cleansed by the blood of Christ. You just took communion and remembered his work that is forgive gives you once for all and sets you free. And these times of praises and, and, and prayer, what they do is they cleanse the the dust and the dirt and the stuff that gets on us in the world and, and I feel like that's what he's doing yes there's cleansing that, that needs to happen and it is happening but we always go back to that promise of the blood of Christ was enough to set us free thank you Lord thank you Lord I'm going to ask the altar ministry teams to uh, come up here in the, in the altar areas in a few minutes, uh, Tom and I will be over on this side uh, and for prayer. But, you know, there's some still might want to worship. I don't know which song you want to do, if you want to go back to one or whatever. I think just keep, keep some worship going in here. Some of you need to leave, and that's fine as well. But we are want to be a house of prayer. So that's why we have these altar ministry teams here. That's why we have online uh, every Sunday, an available person to a prayer number that you can call during Sunday morning for the next 30 minutes, uh, and, and not during the week, but this is, this is a, a person that wants to pray with you. We want to be a people of prayer, not just on Sunday mornings, but all week long. We, we are a people of prayer. So please respond. Make this available to you to receive prayer. Lord Jesus, it's a privilege. I can't hardly keep saying it. It's a privilege to honor you. We get to honor you. Spirit, soul, and body. And we believe that you give us the grace, not just in a corporate worship, but to continue to praise and worship you this week. That even what we do and, and how we lead our relationships, how we communicate with people is a honor to you. It's, we do it as a praise to you. Thank you, Lord. We receive that grace into this week. That you're more than enough for us to be more like you. Have a great week. Go ahead, Julia. Thank you. Before.